0: Hello, everyone. This is Ryan, one half of the titular wrestling purists. You'll hear this little intro before each one of the lost episodes. So before this podcast was started, I got my break into podcasting in 2020 with a podcast called Podcast World Order, also known as PWO. Jeff was known on their show as the resident wrestling purist. On their YouTube channel, I would have a weekly show Called Referee's Discretion, that turned into the ref bump with Jeff, which then turned back into Referee's Discretion, but this time with Jeff. Uh, shortly after that, I decided to leave PWO to start the Wrestling Purist with Jeff. So I owe the name of the Wrestling Purist to Jeff and my break into podcasting to the guys at PWO. Thank you, everyone, for the support. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Check out the wrestling appearance on all social media at WPPod1. That's WPPod1. And I hope you enjoy some of my early work as a reviewer. Hello, everyone. I'm Cod Sinclair, and welcome back to another episode of Referee's Discretion. First of all, I want to thank you all for being so patient with me as I have worked through some technical difficulties over the last few weeks. Today, we're taking a look at TNA Hardcore Justice 2010, taking place on August 8th from the Impact Zone in Orlando, Florida. This show can be found on Impact Plus. A couple of weeks before this event, some of the ECW originals invaded the impact zone, leading to a meeting in the ring on an episode of impact between Dixie Carter and the TNA originals. Uh, Tommy Dreamer is the de facto leader of this new movement. Uh, He says it's not about an ECW invasion or a takeover, but it's about showing the world what the true legacy of ECW was. Dixie Carter agrees, uh, but says that the only stipulation is that nothing TNA is on the show, and that it is run by the originals, which Dreamer would obviously oblige to. Um, You'll notice going through the show uh, that nobody calls ECW by name, and I'm not sure how they got away with it on episodes of Impact, Uh, but this is all because WWE still owns the rights to the name. Uh, so instead you'll hear talent refer to ECW as that other promotion or the Philly promotion or that hardcore company, um, amongst other names. Um, also before we get going here, there are two recurring segments in this show. Uh, one is where are they now? And then the other one is I remember. I won't go into too much detail about every single one, but they will at least be mentioned. Um. The tagline for the show is The Last Stand, and most of the main ECW talent are here, um, including ring announcer Steven DeAngelis and referee John Finnegan. Taz welcomes us to Hardcore Justice with a very great and intense Taz-esque promo, then joins Mike Tenay at the commentary table. Our opening contest is the full blooded Italians that is Tracy Smothers, uh, Tony Mamaluke, uh, he's known as Tony Luke in this show, and, and little Guido, known as Guido Maritato. Um, They are accompanied by Sal e. Graziano and they will take on the trio of Kid Cash, Simon Diamond, and the swingman, Johnny Swinger. Um, Guido and Cash starting out, the crowd is fully behind Guido. Test of strength. Kid Cash gets the upper hand, trading a hand of near falls, then a face-off. Um, you'll see as the match continues that there's a lot of playing to the crowd and face-offs and you know, kind of wink-winks um, to not only the crowd, but to the fans watching at home. Um, continuing at the match though, Guido tags in Tony Luke, um, points to Swinger, and then Johnny Swinger gets the tag. Um, trade blows for a bit, Tony whips Swinger into his corner, somersaults into his corner, tags in Tracy Smothers, while Swinger tags in Simon Diamond. Smothers hitting Diamond with a flurry of rights and lefts and then a big heel kick. Diamond powders out, grabs the mic, and says that Simon has a problem. Um, Very very audible here. You hear the crowd chanting, shut the F up. Um, But I thought it was strange that on Impact Plus, They would rather bleep out the curse word and blur the middle fingers from the crowd than put a different rating on the show so you get a more authentic experience. But anyway, um, Simon Diamond blames Kid Cash for their slow start to the match. He tells the FBI that they may have been able to out-wrestle them, but they can't out-dance them. Here comes the extreme dance-off, and it even comes with consequences Consequences Creed's theme song. Yikes. I don't even know what I'm watching. I was broken at this point. Um, We're at an ECW tribute show and we're watching a dance-off. Anyway, Diamond and Swinger jump the FBI as it's their turn to dance. Um, But Sally Graziano giving them a big double clothesline to the outside. Big brawl ensues. The only one in the ring are Cash and official John Finnegan. Cash uses Finnegan as a springboard onto the outside. Back in the ring we go. Uh, Simon Diamond and Swinger are taking their shots on Tony Luke. Kid Cash, it's a big backbreaker. Tony gets a head of steam and Kid Cash power slams him into the turnbuckle. Guido with the hot tag though, multiple kicks and a Russian leg sweep to Kid Cash. Guido pinfall attempt and Swinger breaks it up. Tony to the top rope, Diamond crotches him and we get a big Tower of Doom spot. Uh, The only one left standing though is Simon Diamond. Gives two snap suplexes to Guido. Tracy Smothers with an eye poke and a clothesline to Simon Diamond. Swinger with a skull crushing finale of sorts to Tracy Smothers. Tony Luke with a missile drop kick out of nowhere. This is breaking down in a hurry. Um, Kid Cash though with a double underhook pile driver to Tony Luke. Guido though with a top rope leg drop to Kid Cash, and then Guido finally with an unprettier to Simon Diamond to get the win. Um, th- this is a half count for me. Um, it's it's a totally acceptable opening match. Uh, the dance off really just um, threw the match off. Um, there were only a couple of botchy spots in there, but the one in particular though that's gonna stick with me, um, Tony Luke has swinger in an armbar. Swinger tries to pick him up, can't get him. so he has to drive his body really awkwardly into the turnbuckle just so Tony can get himself up just so he can get hit with a face buster. Um, the botch will stick with me there. Um, but this is a but this is a serviceable opening match. We cut to Mike Tanay making note that the scheduled main event for the evening, which is RVD versus Jerry Lynn, um, is not going to take place. Uh, Taz says that uh, Jerry Lynn sustained a back injury. Uh, So the new main event is Rob Van Dam versus Sabu. Um, So that is the new main event. Uh, We cut to now the first Where Are They Now segment, which includes Tom Gordon, Pitbull number one, Gary Wolf, and the Blue Meanie. Make sure you remember the Blue Meanie here as we continue along with the review. The first of the two I Remember segments follows that, uh, featuring AJ Styles and Angelina Love. AJ Styles remembers Tommy Dreamer versus the Sandman, where the loser took not one, not two, not three, but 10 Singapore cane shots to the back. It was very. Um, Overly sold here by by AJ trying to get his point across, um, but but Angelina Love's response is way more calm. She's like, "Oh, I remember ECW was so crazy. Uh, this is this is what you're presenting to your TNA audience as the legacy of ECW that it was crazy." Okay. Uh, <laughs> Cutting away now, we see Al Snow and Steven Richards hanging out in the back when Hollywood Nova walks up. Uh, Nova says he wants to get the band back together and then brings in the Blue Meanie. You may remember he was in the first Where Are They Now segment. This individual's name is the Blue Tilly, a clear knockoff of the Blue Meanie. As they walk off, a mystery man comes out of the other room who looks like a member of Raven's flock walks through the doorway, picks his nose, and he's holding a small blow-up doll. This may not seem like much now, uh, but this mystery individual will be very important later. All right, on to our next matchup. We have C.W. Anderson versus two Cold Scorpio. Uh, Mike Tenay says that C.W. is not related to Oli or Arn, but works just as hard. Uh, the crowd really hot for Scorpio here. Um Too Cold Scorpio goes for a handshake. CW spits in his hand and they trade some elbows really early. Um a this is wrestling chant really early in this match. Um not sure why. Um the the crowd tends to fall into this um just just state of not knowing good wrestling at times when they see it and I'll mention it as we go throughout the rest of the review um, but but this is just a small example we're a minute into this match and just trading some elbows um, and some basic moves and you're getting at this is wrestling chant um, beautiful drop kick though from Scorpio sends CW to the outside and he follows it up with a springboard cross body action back in the ring Uh, Scorpio hits a cross body for a near fall. Back to exchanging elbows again. Scorpio off of the ropes and CW hits a big super kick for a near fall. CW drives Scorpio's shoulder into the ring post. And as he's working on the arm, Scorpio hits a crane kick out of nowhere. Um, Outstanding athleticism at his age. Uh, Scorpio follows it up with a flurry of punches. CW hits a huge open hand slap that sends Scorpio to the mat, covers him for a near fall. Uh, Scorpio hits an STO for another near fall, and then they go exchanging near falls for the next few moments. Scorpio sends CW into the corner. Big cannonball goes to the top and hits a Harlem hangover. Very close near fall here. Scorpio goes for a moonsault, but CW gets the knees up and follows it with a huge double-A spine buster, another near fall. Scorpio hits a superkick and a moonsault leg drop from the top to get the win. It wasn't quite the tumbleweed, but it was a cool, unique variation of it. Um, Post-match, CW rolls out of the ring, uh, and Scorpio pulls him back in for a handshake, which CW reciprocates. Um, I really enjoyed this match. I'm going to give it a one and a half count. Um, they really worked well together. Um, I like the fact that their styles clashed. CW uh, being more of a technician, um, and then uh, Two Cold Scorpio um, being more of the high flyer. Um, uh, but the first show that we reviewed on this channel was uh, was Heroes of Wrestling, uh, where we saw Two Cold Scorpio take on Julio Fantastico. Um, this match um, at Hardcore Justice took place almost 11 years after that. And this match with C.W. Anderson was miles better than the one he, that, that he had with Julio. Um, so props to both these guys for putting on a good match. Some more of these wonderful I Remember segments. Um, as we see Madison Rain remembering how Philadelphia started what is known today as Hardcore Wrestling. Matt Morgan remembers working at Bar Anticipation in New Jersey when ECW ran a show there. Uh, Finally, Mr. Anderson remembers the edginess of ECW uh, and comparing it to the other PG product. Wonder who he's talking about. Uh, Backstage, um, RVD and Bill Alfonso just chilling. Um, RVD is saying that it's too bad Jerry Lynn was training too hard for his match and got injured. he says that he told Dreamer he wanted to face Sabu uh, because of the history they had and really who could capture the legacy of ECW with him. Um, quickly cut to our next match though, Steven Richards with the Hollywood Nova and Blue Tilly um, versus PJ. Polacco, also known as Just Incredible. Um, the sh- uh, the show from from the backstage, segment to this they cut in and, and he's and pj polaco's already in the ring i don't understand why on an ecw tribute show where just incredible was a huge part of this a, a, a huge part of the old ecw where you just don't give him an entrance it doesn't make any sense um uh, but moving on uh Steven D'Angelo announces uh, Steven Richards' bodyguard as Blue Tilly and he practically gets booed out of the building. Yeah, I wonder why. Because he's the Blue Tilly. Who wants to see the Blue Tilly instead of the Blue Meanie? <sighs> Locking up to start as we had dueling chance from the crowd. Uh, Stevie whips Polacco into the turnbuckle. He slides and crotches himself on the ring post. Uh, Stevie high-fives a fan in the crowd. Polacco takes advantage, though. Drives Steven Richards back first into the ring apron. Then hits a big suplex on the outside, uh, followed by a This Is Wrestling chant again. Wonderful stuff. Um, Polacco back in the ring now hits a springboard splash onto the outside. Back in the ring, uh, Polaco hits a sit-out powerbomb and a Tornado DDT for a near fall. Steven reverses an Irish whip, catches P.J. palaco and throws him outside into the steel steps. This is where we get a random We Want Meanie chant. I wonder why again. <laughs> uh, both men back in the ring, though, both back to a vertical base. Um, Steven getting a second wind, hitting multiple punches, and then a big sidewalk slam. Uh, hits a sit out powerbomb and an awkward near-fall we we didn't know whether we needed to make the count or what we needed to kick out um just the whole thing was awkward there um steven Richards at the top though palaco looks like he's ready for him to jump and he's gonna hit a super kick palako's like waving stevie to come on and jump and that's what happens stevie jumps palako super kick near fall um Polacco hits a spinning tombstone which for those of you who don't know um that was one of the moves he used as a finishing maneuver in the old ecw um but not enough to finish jobber stevie richards here um but we do get a near fall um pj Polaco letting his guard down uh taunting steven richards he hits a stevie kick out of nowhere for the win um Post-match though, P.J. Polacco goes crazy with the Singapore cane. Lights go out, lights come on, and there is the Sandman. Sandman hits a Russian leg sweep with the cane and destroys P.J. Polacco with both of the Singapore canes in the ring. Um, I'm giving this a half count. Um, It was was definitely spotty with the in-ring work. there was no buzz to it. There was no need to have the Blue Tilly out there. Um, just a shoehorn to have a, a mock reunion of the BWO, which didn't need to happen. You could have done it with Stephen Richards and... Excuse me. You could have done it with Stephen Richards and the Hollywood Nova. There was no need to have him out there. The next Where Are They Now segment features Francine who is now a stay-at-home mom. Taz says that she has always been one of the hardest working women in the business. Uh, Mike Tenay then responds uh, to that with saying that, we're going to take a moment to recognize the former ECW talents who are no longer with us. You're thinking a video package or even still images with names over it, but it's just a screen with the Hardcore Justice logo and white text on it. Um, I know they didn't have to do anything, but if you're going to do it and to dedicate a whole night to ECW and then include the memorial segment, you need to do more than just white text on on a screen. Um, I thought it was a cop-out. I thought that um, it was showing that they didn't care. Um, Either that or this was shoehorned into the very last second and they did not have time to put anything together. but this, was, but this was one of the lower moments of the night. Um, I know that there are plenty of ECW talents that are no longer with us, which is very unfortunate, um, but you need to show them a little more respect than that. Here we go, three-way dance time, as Brother Runt, also known as Spike Dudley, takes on Al Snow and Rhino, um, who Mike Tenet, uh, refers to as the last ECW heavyweight champion of the old regime. Um, that will be forgotten um, as of a couple years prior to this show as the last ECW Heavyweight Champion is Ezekiel Jackson. Hooray. Um, On the match, though, everyone takes a turn locking up with one another. Um, Runt whips Rhino into Al Snow, knocking him out of the ring, giving brother Runt a roll-up opportunity. Rhino calling for the gore on Runt when Al Snow trips him up from the outside. Al Snow with a big backbreaker on Brother Runt. Al Snow and Rhino on the outside. Runt goes for a huge crossbody. They just catch him and just do, and just throw him over the top of their heads onto the ramp, um, a modified fallaway slam. Um, Al Snow misses a slingshot leg drop. Uh, he does recover though and gets some headbutts into Rhino. Uh, Al Snow goes up top and hits a moonsault for a near fall. He goes to grab Head, swings and misses. Rhino suplexes him close to the turnbuckle. Uh, Brother Runt perched up top, hits a big double stomp. Brother Runt tries to hit an acid drop on Rhino but gets thrown across the ring. Rhino whips Brother Runt into the corner but Brother Runt comes out and hits a head scissor onto Rhino. Runt goes for a double acid drop gets tossed into the barricade for his troubles uh we get a ref bump rhino whips snow into the corner snow slides out a la baron corbin picks up head and hits rhino brother runt has a chair goes to hit al snow pulls an eddie guerrero uh pretty uh pretty good homage here um so what does al snow do the exact same thing also pulls an eddie guerrero um he also gives him the double bird on the way down. So smacks a chair on on the canvas, throws it, double bird, flops down. So now all three men are down. Um a chair, a head, and now the ref is coming to not knowing what is going on at all. Um, but the ref's getting the chair out of the ring. Rhino into the corner, Snow grabs head, tries to hit Brother Runt with it and misses. Brother Runt hits an acid drop off of Rhino to get the fall and eliminate Al Snow. Uh, so now we have a one-on-one match with Rhino and Brother Runt, but this doesn't last very long. is still in the corner, hits Brother Runt with a huge gore and gets the win. Um, I'll give this a one and a half count. Uh, It was a fun little match. The Eddie Guerrero stick was really fun to see. I prefer this style of three-man competitions to the triple threat matches you'll see today. um, If it's done correctly. Um, If you can do a triple threat match and do it the right way, it's great. Um, But the three-way dance is something that ECW specialized in. Uh, Check out the DVD if you don't believe me. Um, But... But this match, everybody got their spots in, simple and sweet, great match. Backstage, Mick Foley is talking about the rivalry between Tommy Dreamer and Raven, and why he is the perfect choice to be the special guest referee. Uh, We transition to another I Remember segment featuring Magnus, um, also known as Nick Aldis today, uh, talking about what the ECW Originals gave back to the business. Um, also, Chris Saban remembers the first ECW match he ever watched, which was Sabu and Terry Funk in a barbed wire match. Um, transition to that, not another I Remember segment, uh, but two gentlemen who in kayfabe do not have a match on the night, um, which is Axel Rodden and Cahones, um, better known as Balls Mahoney. Uh, we get a huge Balls chant, no pun intended, and... It's because he obviously can't use his name because of WWE. Um, Ball says that him and Axel are the most hardcore, extreme tag team in wrestling history. And because they don't have a match, they are out to issue an open challenge to anyone who has the guts or the nuts. Uh, So here comes Joel Gertner and Team 3D. We get a testify chant from the crowd. Uh, We also get some Joel Gertner schtick. and it makes me wonder, though, why the shtick was allowed here from Joel Gertner. And yet, we get censorship for swear words and blurs over middle fingers. Um, Brother Ray calls Axel and Balls in the ring and says they're the most four hardcore people in wrestling history. So they challenge them to a South Philly street fight. And before Brother Ray can finish talking, the fists start flying split screen early on in this match. We see Balls biting Brother Ray on the outside and Brother Devon connecting with a shoulder tackle on Axel in the ring. This is an all out brawl. Ray and Balls are trading head shots. Um, The crowd had styrofoam um, heads um, for the Al Snow match. Um, So they're using those as weapons. But they're in the crowd, they're followed into the crowd by Brother Devon and Axel. Um, and And they split screen it. So you have one here, one here. And you have a Hardcore Justice logo here and then just empty space up here. So really you have it divided into fourths and they only use half of it to show you the match instead of just splitting it down the middle. It was so difficult to watch. Um, but I I just feel like they could have used that space better. Like I said, just one on one side, one on the other. Um, the what I immediately thought of was um, WCW World War III, um, where you know they started in three separate rings, so they had one here, one here, one there, and then just like World War III logo, and then empty space, empty space. So. It, it, it was just very difficult to watch. But anyway, um, at one point, uh, Devon's in the crowd. He grabs the original ECW Heavyweight Championship belt, which is obviously a replica, and hits Axel with it. Um, brother Ray and Coney's, uh have been trading water bottle shots to the head. Um, Ray finds another Styrofoam head and repeatedly hits balls with it. All four men are making their way back to ringside now. Um, and then we have Ray and Balls getting into the ring first. Um, Balls to the second rope, misses a big leg drop on Brother Ray. Axel Rotten slides in and starts giving Ray some right hands. And these are some Heroes of Wrestling type shots. Um, he then turns giving the same shots to Devon and it looks just as bad. And this is, I swear to you and I kid you not, heroes of wrestling level softness. Um, But balls back in the ring now with a lightsaber. Uh, I did not mispronounce, misread. It's a toy lightsaber. Um, Devon under the ring, not to find any other weapon but to instead find another lightsaber. Um, So we get a lightsaber fight in the middle of this South Philly street fight. Um, Balls gets the other hand and stabs Brother Ray um, but as he winds up to hit Ray he pulls the lightsaber out of him and low blows uh, him with the lightsaber Um, Axel Rotten looks to go for an inverted DDT uh, and Ray and Brother Ray literally has to move his body back because the movements of Axel Rotten are just so slow um, it, it was a very rough spot, um, but it still got him a near fall. Um, sit out powerbomb from balls on brother Devon for another near fall. So now all four men have chairs now and it's dueling chairs galore. And these are like axle Rotten level softness. We've moved on from Heroes of Wrestling, uh, soft shots to now Axle Rotten soft shots. Um. But the team of Cohonies and Axel Rotten get the upper hand here, um, and get a near fall for their troubles. They both get into John Finnegan's face, so they whip him into the ropes. He ducks the clothes. He ducks the double clothesline. Comes back, tries to hit his own double clothesline. This is John Finnegan still, um, and of course nothing happens. Um, team 3D pick up chairs and hit balls and Axel for their own pins. <laughs> and only a near fall still. 3D going for the wazza on balls, no pun intended, and connects. Here comes the tables and Gertner is there to provide some lighter fluid. Uh, Brother Devon lights the table and a double power bomb to balls through the flaming table to get the win. Um, post-match. Brother Ray says that Team 3D is the best tag team in the world. Um, crowd's excited. They're red hot for them. Um, and then some different music hits. Um, and we see the gangsters, New Jack and Mustafa Saeed, um, coming out with the actual kitchen sink. And then the, uh, Flava Flav-esque, um... Necklace, but instead of a clock, it is a staple gun, courtesy of New Jack. Um, Everybody's in the ring now. New Jack staples uh, Brother Devon's crotch area. Um, New Jack, now with a hockey stick, Um, Saeed puts a trash can on top of Brother Devon, and New Jack kind of gliding with this stick and then breaks the stick over Brother Devon. Uh, New Jack now grabbing a a guitar, um, starts pretending to play it. He's going to hit Devon in the corner and he's there. He has it. And he's looking behind him constantly waiting for, um, Joel Gertner to get in because the eventual spot is that Gertner gets in, he turns around and, and just Elkabongs him. Um, but it's a 10 to 15 second delay for Joel Gertner to get in the spot, um, But like I said, eventually, he gets in the ring, new Jack Elka bongs him. Um, All four men are recovering, um, everybody to their feet, staring everybody down, and then just a big hug. Just everybody hugging and high-fiving. and So now you have all six men in the ring uh, holding their hands high. Um, Obviously, here on Referee's Discretion, we only count the actual match. we don't take the post-match into account of the actual match rating, um, so for that I will give it a one count. Um, I found this uh, one of the more difficult matches to grade. The split screen was horrible. Um, it was really difficult to see what was going on. Um, Bubba Ray and Devon were outworking everybody else, um, obviously because they were they were on the active roster of TNA at the time. Um but, but, even balls Mahoney was still outworking Axel, oh my gosh, Axel Rotten was literally other than the lightsaber duel, the worst part of this match um Taz made a comment um on everybody's way back down to the ring through through the crowd that he looked out of shape, and I don't know if it was that he was out of shape or just some ring rust or just trying to pull it back a little bit because it wasn't, you know, ECW. It was uh, it was a TNA show. Um, I'm not sure, but it looked really bad. Um, but the finish was great. The flaming table is always a work of art. Um, WrestleMania 20 is a great example of that um, with Edge and McFoley, and then No Different Tonight. Um, but a great way to finish the match, and it's always good to see New Jack. Backstage, we get a good... Uh, Sorry, we get a great promo from Raven about his opponent tonight, Tommy Dreamer. Um, It was a little long-winded, but um, it was just from their humble beginnings um, about them growing up together. And then it turns kind of dark where he stole Beulah away from him, um, slipped into a dark place. Um, But Raven finishes it by saying that Dreamer broke his heart, but he's going to shatter his soul. Like I said, a, a little bit long, long-winded, but it definitely got the point across. More, I more I remember segments with Jesse Neal this time, remembering watching ECW by the rodeo grounds back home in Florida, um, and then you have uh, Frankie Kazarian remembering uh, working out with some of the ECW originals uh, while being trained by Killer Kowalski. Um, transition to a video dedication from some of the ECW originals. To the voice of ECW Joey Styles, who at this time was still working for WWE. Um, He was doing um, some online stuff for them, some online content. Um, The uh, semi main event here uh, is Raven versus Tommy Dreamer. This is being advertised as the final showdown uh, with special guest referee Mick Foley. On Raven's way to the ring, he stops at ringside and says something to Dreamer's wife, um, who they refer to as Teresa, uh, but is best known as Beulah McGillicuddy. Obviously, can't call her Beulah because of WWE. She's sitting at ringside with their kids and uh, KFA President Dixie Carter. Tommy Dreamer on his way to the ring, and commentary makes note of the knee injury he suffered weeks before this event. Although not advertised as a no disqualification match, uh, Foley says that he's going to give them a lot of room and they'll be able to do whatever they want, but there will be a winner. Early on, Raven with a side rush and leg sweep into the barricade. Raven puts a chair between the ropes and goes to whip Dreamer, but Dreamer reverses and sends Raven back first into the steel chair. Dreamer has two chairs set up in the ring, going for a suplex, but Raven counters with a drop toe hold, and Dreamer is busted open. Raven giving it to Dreamer in front of Beulah and his kids, um, so bad to the point that Dixie um, felt the need to have a stagehand uh, take Beulah and their kids away. Uh, Raven gets a chair going for another drop toe hold, but Dreamer reverses. Dreamer goes to the outside, grabs a sign from the crowd, uh, disguised as a dead end road sign. Hits Raven with it. And now he's busted open. Uh, dreamer gets a ladder and slingshots Raven into it. Dreamer puts Raven on the top rope. Dreamer climbs up. Raven fights back and crotches dreamer through the slits of the ladder. Raven hits dreamer with a jumping knee while still in the ladder. It was kind of an awkward spot. Looked like something got messed up. Um, Nonetheless, a near fall. Raven going for an even flow DDT and finished the match, but Dreamer reverses with a big Spicoli driver. Raven now in the tree of woe. Dreamer hits a basement drop kick with the road sign in front of Raven's face. Dreamer now with a bar- with a line of barbed wire. Uh, locks in a crossface and just as raven is tapping we get a run-in from hollywood nova and stupid blue tilly um as dreamers dealing with nova and tilly raven recovers and hits an even flow ddt for a very near fall raven upset goes after foley and ends up giving him a mandible claw with mr sako obviously can't say mr Socko, wwe um so the guy that we mentioned earlier in the backstage segment uh, with Steven Richards um, and, and Hollywood Nova. Um, so that guy, I'll get to him in a second. Um, but currently in the match, um, Dreamer's on his back in the ring. This guy hits a huge top rope leg leg drop. fully grabs the barbed wire, wraps it around Socko, and then gives this man the mandible claw. Um, he then drags him to the back And that is the last time we see him um, I have to think Brian Zane though Wrestling with regret for this gem Because um, I looked high and low To see who this man was um, And the mystery man is Current day NXT's Dexter Loomis uh, Who is Samuel Shaw in TNA This was even before His Samuel Shaw days um, I didn't realize it at first But I watched um, Zayn's review, came back to the spot, paused, and was completely stunned. Um, you couldn't even tell that it, that, that it was him. So meanwhile, all this is going on. Raven's handcuffing Tommy Dreamer's hands behind his back. Raven has a chair, and he starts feeding Dreamer chair shots to the back. Foley comes back out to the ring, and he's telling Raven to get rid of the chair. Why would you say at the beginning of the match that you can do anything, but then start to tell them what not to do. Um, Don't understand, but anyway. Beulah now on her way to the ring to try and stop Raven. They embrace for only a moment. Raven pushes her away and cracks Dreamer in the head with the chair. He then turns to Beulah. When Foley goes to grab the chair, he gets a low blow and a chair shot for his troubles. Quick revenge, though, Beulah hits Raven with a low blow of her own. Dreamer hits a DDT, but Raven gets the shoulder up. Raven gets the upper hand with a knee to the midsection, follows it up with a chair shot to the bad knee of Tommy Dreamer. Raven then hits an even flow DDT on the chair for the win. Post-match, we get a thank you, Tommy, and an ECW chant as he and Beulah walk to the back. Just before they cut away, you can hear Fanyo, You you suck. See Tommy. Um, the C obviously stands for an expletive. Trying to keep it clean, um, but just another example of the um, of the censorship in this show. Um, I'm gonna rate this a one and a half count. Um, I was torn on how to rate it. Uh, it was a good amount of violence. Some good spots. Um, Raven's obviously a little older Hasn't been working as frequently as Tommy Dreamer um, But Raven was the aggressor for the most part um, The story was great um, Adding Beulah was a, was a fine wrinkle Even though she didn't do much um, The addition of Lupus And Nova and Tilly Didn't add a whole lot um, but, but it was still a good match At the end of the day Cut to the back Jeremy Borash is with SoCal Val. They're plugging their online video series when the gangsters walk up and uh, turn their attention to SoCal Val. Uh, Mustafa walks away with her. New Jack stays behind with JB. And he says now that Val's gone, that makes JB his his B. Um, again, cen- again, censorship. Um, immediately cutting to a video dedication to Paul Heyman. Um, who was, again, employed by w- by WWE at the time. Um, but he was a part of the first two one-night stands that were produced by WWE, as was Joey Styles. Um, and I'm sure if they weren't employed by the E, they would have been available for this show. All right, main event time. As Sabu, who, as we mentioned earlier in the review, is replacing the injured Jerry Lynn, um, taking on Rob Van Dam, the current TNA World Heavyweight Champion. Um, this is a non-title match for for anybody curious. Um, Bill Alfonso managing both gentlemen this evening. Um, he comes out with Rob Van Dam first. Um, Sabu's music hits, and you see Bill Alfonso sprint back up the ramp. Um and it was just funny to watch because you just see him scurrying along the bottom of the screen to make his way back up um but you have steven deangelis giving the big in the big introductions um i do want to clarify one thing i made a note in my heatwave video um that the ring announcer back at the time not steven deangelis um messed up or slipped when uh he was announcing where sabu was from um But then watching this show, Steven DeAngelis said the same thing, that he was from Bombay, Michigan. Uh, After doing a pretty extensive amount of research, this is not a mistake. Uh, Sabu, Sabu grew up in Detroit, Michigan and is a Lebanese American. Early in ECW, part of his gimmick was that he did not speak, something he inherited from the original Sheik. He was being billed from Bombay, India, but he was heard speaking English in the ring on several occasions in ECW. So as a joke, management decided to start having him being billed from Bombay, India. Bell sounds and Alfonso already at it with the whistle. You guys know my stance on this, that he can choke on that whistle and it can go away. Um, Slow to go first between these two guys. Good amount of posing and stalling. Alfonso slides a chair into the ring, quick tug of war, won by Sabu, immediately thrown at Rob Van Dam's head. Uh, Sabu sets up the chair, hits a poetry in motion. RVD rolls to the outside and Sabu hits a baseball slide. RVD is now in the crowd. Sabu sets up the chair again, this time steps onto the chair, onto the top rope, and then launches himself over the barricade onto RVD. Um, Everybody back in the ring now. Uh, Bill Alfonso throws Sabu another chair, and he throws it at the back of Rob Van Dam. Sabu setting up for another poetry in motion with the chair, but RVD drop kicks the chair into Sabu's legs. Pretty innovative shot there. Uh, Rob Van Dam has a chair in the middle of the ring, does a monkey flip on Sabu onto the chair. Rob Van Dam returns the favor and throws the chair at Sabu's head. Interesting spot here. Both men springboard into each other and then just sit in the corner. Bill Alfonso in the ring, throws water bottles at both guys, and then we get a water break chant. Um, I thought this was going to take me out of the match, um, but we're just getting started. Um, With the water break over, both men roll out, get tables, um, and get them back in the ring. Rob Van Dam with a front suplex over the guardrail Rob Van Dam on the apron and leg drop Sabu, um, RVD staple there. Rob Van Dam puts Sabu on the apron. Alfonso throws a chair to RVD, throws the chair at Sabu, and a slingshot leg drop. Rob Van Dam to the top rope now. Alfonso throws Sabu a chair, throws the RVD, and crotches him on the top rope. Sabu hits a Hurricane Rana to RVD, and he flies onto the chair. Arabian Facebuster from Sabu and a near fall. Alfonso with another chair to Sabu sets it up, and RVD counters and trips Sabu into the chair. Um, just clarity. It was not a drop toe hold. I know the difference between a drop toe hold and a trip. Alfonso holding a chair in the face of Sabu, and RVD with a Van Daminator. RVD with a split leg moonsault for a near fall, RVD setting up a table now, and Sabu throwing consecutive chair shots at RVD. RVD in control again, puts a chair on Sabu and hits a rolling thunder for a near fall. Sabu recovering in the corner, RVD hits a drop kick with the chair in the face of Sabu. Sabu counters with a Springboard Tornado DDT onto the chair. Sabu now to the top rope. Alfonso now gets him a chair and then hits a huge Arabian Face Buster for a near fall. Sabu gets RVD on the table. Alfonso gets him another chair, goes for another Arabian Face Buster and eats all of it through the table. RVD taking advantage now goes to the top rope huge five star frog splash for the win this is a two count for me um, this is a spot fest from almost start to finish um, Sabu taking this match um, on just a few days notice um, not always the cleanest worker um, as far as botches um, but it but. There was only there. There wasn't any that I could see in this match, um, so so props to Sabu for taking this on short notice. Um, both men put their bodies on the line. Um, I gave this a half count more than the Dreamer Raven match because even though there was history and a story with that one, there was a small amount of history here as well. But comparing the two, this match would have fit in with old school ECW more than the previous. Um, No knock on the Tommy Dreamer-Raven match because that one was good as well. Um, This match was thoroughly entertaining. Post-match, though, uh, to end the show, RVD goes for the handshake. Sabu pulls away and hugs him instead. ECW locker room empties out with beers in hand. Crowd is chanting thank you and F.U. Vince. Dreamer with a mic thanks Dixie Carter because this couldn't have happened without her dreamer closes the show by saying to all of those who said we couldn't do it anymore that was one heck of an fn pain pay-per-view thank you guys and good night before i give my final grade i'm going to be making an adjustment to the bella award um the new name will now be the russo award and the meaning will be changing as well not every worst match on a card um is at bella level For example, uh, for this evening, I would have given the Bella Award to the opening six-man tag team match. I don't think that match was Bella bad. Um, As a result, starting with this event, the Russo Award will now go to the worst match, moment, or segment of the event. With all of that being said, my final grade for TNA Hardcore Justice 2010 is 2.5 out of 5 stars. Um, the Ric Flair Award goes to the main event, Rob Van Dam versus Sabu. Uh, the Russo Award goes to all of the I Remember segments. Um, those segments at times are super cringeworthy. I know they were hindered by not being able to say ECW, but it seems like most of the talent was just shoehorned in to saying most of these things, and it didn't feel genuine. Um, I would have... I would rather watch the six-man tag match again than to watch these segments. Um, A lot of props to the crowd, though, for the evening. They were super into the entire event um, until almost the end. It seemed like they were exhausted by Night's End. In the world we live in today, to see a crowd involved in a show like this is very refreshing. Um, Something I didn't mention throughout the show were the commercial breaks. it feels like it was edited for TV. And when it happens in the middle of a match, um, for for example, it happened in the South Philly street fight. Um, you cut back and then you get the lightsaber fight. It really takes you out of the action. Um, but as far as the wrestling goes, the last two matches really had that ECW feel. Um, Scorpio and CW Anderson, uh, was great the three way dance was great um, the street fight was okay um, a little slow a little too jovial for me um, Richard's Palaka was meh um, the six man opener I've already talked talked about um, but it didn't get a lower grade um, honestly thanks, thanks to Kid Cash um, and I really didn't think that we would see half of the guys that we would see in 2020 from this show. Um, It just shows the longevity, and if you're playing your character right, you can really elongate your career. Um, But this was more fan service, I think, than One Night Stand 2006, uh, which I will be covering eventually, but overall, I thought the show was good. It was a good tribute show to ECW, all things considered. Those are my thoughts on TNA Hardcore Justice 2010. What did you all think of the show? Leave your thoughts in the comments below. If you have a suggestion for pay-per-view cards for me to review, also write in the comments below. Please like, share, subscribe to Podcast World Order for more awesome content. We're live on Facebook and YouTube every Monday and Thursday. And a new referee's discretion will be posted this Sunday for our next episode. So far on the series, I've covered an event from the original ECW, uh, from WWE, and now TNA. Um, So I think it's time to look at some WCW. With that being said, I will be taking a look at Road Wild 1998. From everyone here at Podcast World Order, thank you for watching, and remember, at the end of the day, it's referee's discretion. I'm Cod Sinclair, and we'll see you next time.